Hello, and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the tabletop RPG discussion and interview podcast. I'm your host, Mike Daniel. Uh, today, I'm being joined by Tyler from Misfold Adventures. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing great. All right, great. Thanks for joining us here today. Um, yeah, Tyler, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit, well, tell my, me and our listeners a little bit about your, yourself here and uh, who you are. Uh, well, I'm Tyler from Misrolled Adventures. I created this uh, effectively a couple years back with uh, the intentions of only doing some like D&D and tabletop stuff online, post a little bit to YouTube. And it's sort of been like this uh, growth in the community. And it's been a, an absolute blast to do. So uh, we've started delving even further than just D&D. So it's... Uh, it sort of has engrossed my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, as uh, someone who started uh, creating in the tabletop RPG space a couple of years ago, I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> it's kind of taken over, uh, but that's that that's great. And again, thanks for for coming on. Glad to uh, to have you out today. Um, I I know uh, we had chatted a little bit about you know some of the uh, the things that you know we we like about tabletop RPGs in general. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like making really engaging stories for our players and for listeners, viewers, etc. As well, so um, wanted to uh, to kind of pick your brain a little bit about some ways to uh, to go about that. For sure. Awesome. So yeah, I guess let's start with like kind of why that's something that's important or interesting. I mean, it seems pretty simple and straightforward, but I think it's a good good jumping off point. So what? why is it something that is important to you to create really engaging stories for your players? Um, well, so it kind of goes to <clears throat> like storytelling. I see mm -hmm. it as the key component to a D&D campaign or a TTRPG campaign. Um, because a lot of like the game's mechanics are mm -hmm. kind of clunky and like combat and all that stuff. So right. having a important and drawing story to bring energy and purpose to what you're doing will give everyone a sort of uh, what's the word? Uh, like a resolution to the mm -hmm. end of the session. Mm -hmm. Like they've accomplished something or they've learned or uh, enjoyed listening to something if they weren't as in uh, involved in that session. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've said on, on many uh, occasions throughout the podcast that tabletop RPGs really are the kind of the most um, cooperative storytelling mode that's out there in a sense, um, because you're really working, you know, you, you might may have like a GM or something who's like, quote unquote, running the game, but it's a collaborative storytelling process, mm -hmm. right? Like everyone is involved in that. So I think as a way of, you know, getting the players involved is like investing their characters uh, in the story that you're telling as well, right? Super, oh, yeah. super important to it, it like kind of um, one kind of piggybacks off of the other, right? Like the players make the characters and they're really invested in them. You're like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to take this thing that's important to your character and draw <laughs> you in with it. So. Yeah. It all plays on like what the character kind of, is and like what their goal is because mm -hmm. uh some instances can 
branch a story and that's okay too where mm-hmm. sometimes you take a step away from the main going on to go resolve something else or even just reminisce and that takes them to somewhere else that involves their character and even if it doesn't necessarily directly tie in with the main campaign that side bit can influence their actions within the main portion and that can do a lot of miraculous things for a character yeah absolutely it's like uh you know opening up story paths almost like hey you yeah. can you can continue on down the main quest but we have this kind of side quest or character driven quest that you can mm-hmm. do that is gonna ultimately influence other things as well um yeah i, I love i love uh doing that those options allowing for those options for um the players to have that sort of personal growth or character growth, you know, individually. What's mm-hmm. really fascinating to me as well is that sometimes like you'll have um, a storyline that is maybe for one particular character, but of course the rest of the party is going to come along as well. Right. Yeah. And finding ways to engage the other players when they're maybe not the one that are in the spotlight, but still kind of pulling on some of the threads that they may be uh, pursuing already or, you know, finding ways for their characters to um, like change or develop in some way that's not uh, necessarily in the spotlight, so to speak, but still has influence on on who they are as as people. Yeah, I have a prime example as well in our um, in our streamed game. Like this was happened like probably about a year ago, but um, one of the characters went back to their hometown because the whole group is trying to resolve. Uh, this mystery sort of deal. So they're trying to go back home that directly involves to their past. And um, when they're one of the players characters had this uh, sort of curse on him. So they took Mm, him mm -hmm. there and learned that there was like some effect they could do. I'm doing my best not to just like straight up (laughs) all this stuff that's going on. More or less, there was a ritual that could be done in order to do said ritual. They had to gather a family artifact that was stolen years and years ago before Mm, this. mm. So they had to go out and find that in order to complete the ritual. So it was like, here's this bit for your character because you wanted to go back home. And Mm. here's a tie in to resolve a current problem from another character. So it gets both of the parties effectively involved and uh, Mm -hmm. surrounds the entire group with a task that helps them sort of unite. Nice. Yeah. Finding those ways to tie in other bits of story into um, like a character story arc are always super fascinating for me. Um, I've got (laughs) just thinking of my Eberron campaign right now that I'm, I'm, I'm running and there are so many threads like spinning out off of each of the characters just provides a lot of opportunity to like, Oh, I'm going to pick this one up and I'm going to weave it together with this other guy. <laughs> um, we have a, two, two of our players are, our Jewett and our barbarian are um, kind of playing different aspects of like the lost child trope. Like they both have very uh, unique takes on it, but ultimately like they are a child that is wandering, trying to find like, home or you know connection to their family etc etc um and despite them being on separate paths they've kind of formed this 
bond together as characters. So when I saw that happening, I'm like, okay, what can I do to like really seal the deal here <laughs> with this? Um, so one of the, uh, the barbarian is on a path to like find their mother. And they were told that they're going to be in this certain location. And there's a, there's a chance that that per that you were going to die. If you go there, that the big bad is going to is planning on murdering you. Oof. Uh, so what I, I did in order to kind of tie them all together uh, a little bit better is the uh, the druid, who is also kind of a lost child in, in her own right, uh, now has this infernal wound that she's suffered uh, from a, a devil that, that got summoned. Okay. And uh, in order to purge the wound, she has to go also to this place where <laughs> the uh, player is destined to die. So they're doing everything in their power both to like try and fight <laughs> this destiny this pull um so it's created a lot of really interesting dynamics i mean ultimately there is that choice to go if they choose to but they've also kind of formed an alliance of like yeah we're not fucking doing that. <laughs> so it's made I always for a lot of really funny. interesting gameplay yeah yeah i always find that funny where it's like in unison everyone's like all right we're not doing that yeah no <laughs> did you have this the intention of them want. going to go do that uh, yeah, so I do have some things planned for when they it, when they ultimately get there, if they ultimately get there. But, you know, at the same time, if they choose to not, if they choose to find ways to fight against destiny, then, like, I'm all about that as well. Yeah. I want them to be the ones telling, you know, driving the story, basically, which I, I think is a pretty big uh, key component to, like, really in creating engaging stories is making room for the players to take the reins yes no i'm gonna i'm gonna set up things i'm gonna know what all of the pieces are that are kind of in play but whatever you do is what what you do and you choose how the story goes here's the blocks you can put it in any order that you kind of want absolutely absolutely it's no, like um yeah it i it's it's almost like you guys are both writing at the same time because mm -hmm. i know that as like the DM for our game, I know the end point. I know how it's or where it's going to end, how they get there. I don't know that. I don't mm -hmm. know where they're going to start, where they're going to finish, which direction they're going to go. So when they come up with like ideas, for instance, they had this sit down where everyone was talking about like, well, what's going to happen if we go here? What's going to happen if we go here? And one of them brought up an interesting detail that I didn't think of when mm -hmm. creating this segment. And I'm like, I want that to be a thing. A, <laughs> yeah. it'll make for awesome storytelling. B, it gives the players that feeling like, oh my God, we got it. We 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 caught on to something and caught a small detail. So it gives them that sort of energetic uh, rush that they solved a problem. Mm -hmm. Even if it wasn't like 100% what I was entailing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. still like involved it. And that is the fun about this sort of like homebrewed sort of world that you make because mm -hmm. you can turn everything into whatever you want as the DM. I've always heard right. like these things when I first started, like oh, I'm tired of these players just destroying everything. I'm like, you're basically God. You could throw <laughs> right. everything at them. I don't understand where this bout, this like right. imbalance in power is mm -hmm. like it. 
you're not trying to destroy them. I mean, I guess right. some are, I mean, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not, that shouldn't be the goal, I think. If, if that's something that everyone has kind of agreed on, like you're running like Tomb of Horrors or something yeah, like it's... that, and you know that you're probably going to die going into it, totally cool. Yeah, there's that's like a the agreement that scenario. you've had. Right. But if you're just playing a game with your friends, like you shouldn't be out to just like totally the, annihilate them. That's not the goal. Yeah, not the goal fun. is not to win D&D. You don't really <laughs> right. win right. D&D. <laughs> yeah, you win D&D by having fun with your friends. Exactly. That's how you win D&D. Uh, um, yeah. And, and yeah, certainly the uh, it, invested stories are a really, really great way to have fun with your friends. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I guess my my question for you, Tyler, when it comes to like, this is something that you want to do, want to bring into all of your games. What's a place that uh, kind of a starting point for you? Where do you begin with kind of starting to weave stories together that, you know, are going to be engaging for your players? So like, I'm just trying to dissect the question. It, you're asking kind of... Like, where do I start in order mm-hmm. to make an engaging story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas you're, you're you're sitting down with maybe a blank page. You've got, you know, you know your players or their characters maybe. Or, or do you generally come up with an idea and you try to loop them into that? Or where's kind of your jumping off point? Um, my jumping what's off some point, advice for getting started maybe? I would say having a starting point in the campaign is pretty integral you can always do the you guys start in a tavern sitting mm-hmm. around the corner you guys all somewhat know each other don't necessarily trust one another fully so there's totally okay ways to do it but depending on the story and the campaign having a integral starting point that can give each of their characters the sort of uh purpose for being there Mm-hmm. To give an example, when we first started, a none of us knew anything about D anD. <laughs> I watched a couple shows. That was okay. that okay. was it. They hadn't even done that. I had a book. Mm-hmm. I had the player's handbook. Oh, and I had the DM's guide. Okay, that that was it. But <laughs> um, when I was watching the show that I was watching, um, they had a lot of fun with like comedy portions of it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I heard the jokes about starting in a tavern. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to actually do that. Mm, mm -hmm. So the entire point of this campaign that we're in is uh, a, it's from the horde of the dragon queen. When we started, it was 100% Mm -hmm. based off of the book. Uh, Now it's like completely derailed, but (laughs) um, uh, yeah. In the book, it said that they start in the town of greenest. They're Mm -hmm. just there. Mm -hmm. And then the, there's an attack. Right. I didn't want to do that. The dragon attack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with it. And no, you're fine. Um, So what I did was, well, people would know about the cult of the dragon. People would know about these, this Mm. evil nature. So what if another continent was working on building up a military force to go to Greenest? And basically they were recruited, pulled from, did certain things. At some point, all of them were put into a same regiment to ship weapons to Greenest. And on the way there, they get stopped by uh, a group of bandits. And that's when the all all the identities are sort of revealed and explained mm-hmm. and talked about between the group because they had 
most of them had no involvement with one another. Some okay, had gotcha. like some relations because that was their character's choices. Mm-hmm. But when they had that moment of uh, discussion amongst each other to sort of get to know each other, it got each of them their own sort of uh, involvement in what they wanted to like deluge to everyone, what they wanted to say to mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. And once they get to greenest, the city's already under attack. So they okay, have to nice. then go into it. And that's mm-hmm. when they just start of click into their characters roles and how they see themselves in that situation rather than just being thrown into it. Once I have a good starting point for mm-hmm. them and their characters, their actions will affect how I then create further portions of their stories. So nice. Okay. Yeah. The, the relations in greenest will directly impact how I create their sort of uh, involvement in the campaign, especially mm-hmm. with like how they were brought in by that military force. Mm-hmm. One of the characters was picked up as a child and raised from birth from an orphanage in the military. So their, their character is like a fighter, but also is derived of stealth and special ops missions and things like that. One was of nobility and was running away because their home was under attack. So it's like okay. they were trying yeah. to hide who they were. Mm-hmm. So they went into the military to then hide themselves away. And it just sort of plays into sort into certain aspects of what their character's backstory was when started. We only started with four people. Now we're up mm-hmm. to six, six characters. So it's been mm-hmm. like back and forth all over the place. Nice. Yeah. I, I, uh, what I'm hearing a lot of is kind of letting the players, uh, actions kind of build their own story and kind of picking things apart as they are having those interactions and telling Mm -hmm. you about their own character choices before the game, as well as like, as they're, the game is progressing and sort of mixing all those together to to pull pull out the story. It's very player focused. It's a yeah. rough like mixture of things because, mm-hmm. as I said, they never played it. They never played even a tabletop mm-hmm. game before. So Which I'm like, awesome. <laughs> the story that they, the characters that they gave me was like nothing. Mm-hmm. But okay, uh, I guess an integral point to the the what I did to start their characters was each and every one of them I went to secretly and mm-hmm. singly and said do you want a boon from the uh, goddess of dragons? And I went to each and every one of them secretly, did not tell them about Mm -hmm. the others Mm -hmm. and gave each of them a word of power because they all were like, hell yeah, I want to do this. Yeah, of course. And so each of them (laughs) were given a word of power. Mm -hmm. It was like uh, several different things with the idea that some point down the story, it's going to get revealed and they're going to betray the party. That was what I told mm, them, even though okay, I knew that okay. that wasn't going to be the case. Right. Nice. Uh, later down the road, morality comes in and they start questioning themselves. And mm. one of them divulges it to everyone else. And that's when the one thing that I have been planning for three years <laughs> comes into play. And that boon, that gift was mm-hmm. actually this in this entire encompassing plot from the goddess of dragons and all of them have these 
negative repercussions for telling one another that they have a power that they have a word of power okay so some of them have every like rounding week they have a debilitating effect of some don't want to see others get injured and will physically become frightened and debilitated and frozen in place if they see another individual get injured yikes so it's like like I said, having a starting point and an mm-hmm. understanding of what you're looking for it, as well as the players, that helps drive the character progression themselves. Because that drove one of the characters into straight up out of sheer fear of this power after they all learned of it, went mm-hmm. and killed a loved one. Oh, yikes. Because of the fear of, well, I know that they had the same power. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what their plan was and I can't trust myself with what I've done with them. So. Yeah, that's heavy. It gets, it gets, uh, it gets heavy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it sounds I, I'm like trying the... to just immediately dive into the campaign again, but no, no, that's, that's great. I love storytelling. I love uh, examples of, you know, uh, for our listeners as well. I think they appreciate on, you know, for offering advice, we can back it up with an example as well. Right. And certainly I think, you know, where, what you're, you're getting at again is the, um, the player in investment uh, comes from like, how am I saying this? The, the player uh, getting the player engaged, you, you know, by listening to what they want to do with their characters, but also some ideas that you have as well as that, that starting mm-hmm. point. Yes. Which, yeah, absolutely uh, agree. Um, just to kind of do some storytelling for myself as well. When we did the session zero for this Eberron campaign uh, that we got going on, like I, I sat down with the, the party as a whole. It's just like, we are going to, determine kind of what this story is in this session zero more or less you know you all are going to tell me who your characters are what their personal goals are you can you know send them separately to me if you want to keep some things secret that's totally fine um but i want to learn like what you want to do with this character and then i will take all of those things and turn them into uh you know the the campaign as a whole and finding ways to weave those threads together and and using some of the lore as well. I had some ideas because uh, I was uh, uh, going into Eberron. There's a lot of stuff to go back and, and read through and a lot of really great lore that's um, really, really story rich or like opens opportunities for, for stories to tell in within that lore. Um, So as the players are like telling me things about themselves, I'm like, okay, well, this kind of pings on this thing. So I can pull this thread from the (laughs) setting and tie that around this player and pull them on this way. And, um, and I, I, uh, I I didn't want to sit down and be like, okay, this is the campaign that we're playing. So how are you guys going to interact with it? Right. I'd like to say, okay, what do you, what do you guys want to do and how can we make that, that story happen? Um, And we're going to all have fun doing it together. So. Yeah, it's, that's the whole point, again, is going back to everyone wants to have fun there. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of literally being there is for everyone to enjoy themselves. And creating an engaging story is one way to definitely draw in the players into what they do <laughs> want to do. So it's like, like you said, weaving mm-hmm. everything together, it is a very fickle and like difficult thing to knot together, but mm-hmm. it's once you get that just tight enough and just right, everything will come together and everyone's going to enjoy what 
what just happened at the session, what happened at the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious to uh, talk a little bit more about um, the Horde of the Dragon Queen that you guys started playing, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much that uh, story has has, uh, kept up with the campaign as a whole, but... um... Basically, um, when I first started because this was my first time DMing, I did everything by the book. I right, followed right. what it wanted with throwing in just like, like like I said, starting differently was mm-hmm. one part of it. And then um, I, I did like a little bit of homebrew right mm-hmm. at the beginning, but that was like having a certain winged kobold carrying a bag full of what seemed to be black flasks. And the black flasks weren't a part of it. And now that's been mm-hmm. a driving force for the party since <laughs> session two of nice. the game. And other than that, I followed the book. I tried to have everyone have these dialogue trees. Like mm-hmm. if they had mm-hmm. asked certain questions, and all this <laughs> stuff, right. I'm like, this is not fun for me mm-hmm. at all. The yeah. amount of work that trying to do that. What like I came in with packets of character dialogue <laughs> Wow. And I'm like, they didn't ask a single one of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> As that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just like so spot on for the indie players. So I, yeah. I, I uh-huh. I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> so from there. Lesson quickly learned. So. Oh, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> now I carry notes mm-hmm. of basically what I want a certain NPC to bring up regardless Mm -hmm. of what they kind of say to them unless they just like straight up piss them off or something and drive it off of what the players do in that conversation. A a lot of the game has been sort of improved by Mm -hmm. that point. And since that point, a lot of it has been sort of, I'll go and question the book, but I won't realistically follow it Mm -hmm. for probably like the first three chapters. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, has that's far what I was going to ask like, about, like how far you made it. Because yeah, I, three chapters. I've definitely, okay, I've I've tried, well, I've run three three of the published 5th edition campaigns, the Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat. I guess that Tyranny of Dragons campaign kind of counts as one. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, I've run, uh, oh shit, Storm King's Thunder. I was trying to think of the name of it. As well as uh, <laughs> Descent to Avernus. And a little bit of uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. I stole a lot from Waterdeep Dragon Heist to put into other games because it's rife for uh, with bits where you can you can do that. Um, but I've I've always um, when I run the the published adventure adventures, I feel like there is like it kind of railroads you into following certain story paths as much as they does. try to leave options for the player. It's like no this thing's going to happen. And then that's ultimately has to lead to this spot. And if they miss this thing, then, you know, this thing can't happen. So kind of haven't like shoehorn some stuff in because D and D players are chaotic as always. And they don't want to follow the story that's in front of them. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I've really, I've really kind of struggled to make those published campaigns, like really engaging for the players. And what I ultimately end up doing is like, you know, we, I, I steer, steer the story in a direction for as far as it'll go. And if I can get that published adventure to a conclusion, great. But what I'm doing along the way is kind of laying the foundation for player choices and player uh, player character stories. And then 
once we're done with the other stuff, I'm like, okay, now I can sit down and homebrew and come up with these other adventures to go off on that are a lot more player focused. And everyone always seems to have a lot more fun in that second half of the, the campaign <laughs> than they do in the first part. Yeah. Um, so for sure. what's, what's your take on that? How did you kind of find that or how have you found that balance as you've been going through Tyranny of Dragons? It was a learning process to find the yeah. balance. Um, I had definitely made plenty of mistakes as the DM trying to both create the story, but also have it be initially somewhat uh, full, mm -hmm. like, like constant things to pay attention of and pay attention to, or like constantly throwing out names for characters and all like mm -hmm. names for shops and just like, Oh, you're passing by a village and you see so-and-so standing there outside of the shop, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. and they're never going to go there. <laughs> I know they're never going to yeah. go there. Why am yeah. I putting this much detail into this? Mm -hmm. So it's always like the random, like weird guy in the tavern that they want to go and talk to. Right. Yeah, like, but there's I mean, this like <laughs> tiefling that's very clearly like, you know, st standing out and he's the, the important NPC there. And they're like, Oh, well there's this little goblin in the corner. I'm going to go chat with him. <laughs> cool. Let's go talk to Boblin for a half an hour. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 uh, there's like a there's a fine balance between creating an engaging story mm -hmm. and creating too much of a world. I feel mm -hmm. um, my biggest prime example of knowing this was when we first started our recording because we were two chapters in because I didn't want I didn't feel comfortable doing anything like that until mm -hmm. we just started playing the game. And I was yeah, like, yeah, and you're a little familiar, about... familiar with it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what would you guys feel about recording it? And so when we started, they had a 30 day trek from Baldur's Gate to Waterdeep. Mm -hmm. They have to be they're in a caravan. They're going to go across. There's tons of these like events to possibly happen between mm -hmm. there and there and all this other stuff. Well, they had ideas for some characters in there, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. But I also kind of want these other characters to be in there, too. So this mm -hmm. eight-carded, eight-card? Seven-carded caravan, including theirs, mm -hmm. I named every single one of them. Okay. I gave all of them purpose, mm -hmm. all of them these backstories, and all this stuff involved with it. And ultimately... They were having issues trying to remember everything, everyone. Mm -hmm. And this will mm -hmm. be based off of your players. And at that point, I learned that my players are not the ones to recall every single person that they mm -hmm. speak to. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because I don't recall every single person <laughs> I make. For sure. So this was probably my biggest, most egregious error since DMing was this 30-day trek took almost nine months in real life to go through. Wow. Because I was doing okay. it from day to day to mm -hmm. day mm -hmm. to day. Mm -hmm. And you can only do so much when the players are like, I'm just going to wait. I just yeah. want to sit here. Mm -hmm. It's okay to fast forward time. <laughs> yeah. Especially with freaking traveling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You really got to <sighs> broaden the scope on, on those uh, travel sequences. Like, okay, yeah. we'll do a week at a time. Like, yeah, it's. <laughs> 
that was probably my biggest mistake as a DM mm. was that my pacing yeah. went to a snail's crawl. Okay. And that's when I talked to my players, which is 100% okay to do. Yeah. Ask if something's wrong. If they say that this is, this is wrong, don't take it personal. See it as a learning experience. That's what I wanted to do. And that's why mm-hmm. I asked. So they told me that, yeah, they were kind of, kind of falling out, kind of getting bored of uh, mm-hmm. sitting in the cart. And I'm like, all right, we're going to move forward. We're going to just jump to this point because a, I've brought up already the ideas that I wanted to do. Cause I had like some story stuff involved throughout the travel. Mm-hmm. One of the carts was actually one of the cult of the dragons carts. And right, that's why right. they were trying to do this whole thing. And tidbits, name drops of certain characters that the party actually paid attention to later down. <laughs> So then we just moved forward and I was, they were having a blast after that because immediately after that was this whole thing that I had planned since the start of the walking journey. (laughs) And it helps with being the DM and being able to move things along to get to your own ideas as Mm -hmm. well as the party's Mm -hmm. intentions. So yeah, it's like I said, it's a very fine line between creating too much Mm-hmm. And creating an engaging story because an engaging story doesn't necessarily need to have every small detail. Mm-hmm. The scent of mm-hmm. the air doesn't need to be whatever when you walk into a tavern. Mm-hmm. It could just be this place is loud, obnoxious, and there are some people throwing stuff from table to table. <laughs> yeah, I, I think using a few key descriptors like that can really just like put ideas in the, in the players' heads already because everybody, well, Maybe not everybody, but a lot of people have been to like a bar when it's the hopping, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of people there and things, people are getting wild and okay, well, add some mystical and fantastical elements in there. And there you go. You know, yeah. where you know what this place is. Now let's move on to the important stuff about it, right? Right. That's the purpose um, is to, to paint the picture for the player's head. You mm-hmm. don't have to give them a three page dialogue <laughs> on a tree. <laughs> Right. Yes. We're, we're not, uh, we're not talking here you know, like... <laughs> with whatever the, the seventh, I've never actually, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy myself here, but I've never actually seen most of the Lord of the Rings. I haven't uh, read them. I've seen the first one. Shame on you. I, I know. Okay. I've seen the How first one. But... You come on this podcast, <laughs> not having watched every single Lord of the Rings movie and so, read look, every I... single book. <laughs> I just know the joke of the whatever, however many pages it is that talks about Gandalf's staff. Mm, Is it like mm. seven pages or something? It's like a whole page just talking about his staff. You don't need that. Yeah, you don't. It's a wheel of the time, wheel of time talking about socks for six pages. And <laughs> like, no, we don't, we don't need to go there. Uh, definitely don't need that in our tabletop RPGs. Maybe it's fine for the book <laughs> if that's what they want to do, but not something we need at the table. So I just want to see a D and D game be completely like that. Like you just open up a published <laughs> book and uh-huh. there's pages on a wheel. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. the wheel what does the wheel do nobody knows but there's it's really described <laughs> yes we can talk about every single grain of uh, <laughs> the uh, the wood of this wheel so um <laughs> yeah so it, uh, yeah i guess the uh, the advice here listeners is if you're if you feel like you're kind of overburdening your players with too much detail you know pull the reins and instead of letting them you know do every single thing day to day grab the hold of those reins and, and move things along sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to railroad a little bit if it helps us move the story along. To give direction. Exactly. Exactly. 
some some momentum of the story uh certainly that's a great word momentum of it yeah but i think both are are accurate for sure um yeah and i know that you guys on um on your like the podcast as well you guys have done a number of like one shots Mm -hmm. um as well as the campaign that you have going along and obviously there's some differences between you know, a, a, a long running campaign and engaging story and then engaging stories for something that's going to be, you know, maybe one session, maybe two, just kind of getting through that short adventure. Right. So mm-hmm. um, what's some of your advice, I guess, for GMs, if they're just running like a, you know, a quick one shot or they're looking for some ways to like quickly get the players invested um, in something that's going to be brief. Um, where do you go to? What are your go to's? That one's rough because it it depends really. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on like the what the one shot is about. Uh, mm-hmm. Going into to engage them, going into the detail of the scenario itself is usually what will, at least what I've seen with my players, help mm-hmm. push that sort of deal. Like uh, talking about the city that they all seem to be living in living their mundane lives doing their daily day chores and suddenly an injured individual sprints into the into the streets crying out about so and so and they can't they've they've lost them they're looking for help and that's when the mayor or whoever is recruiting people to help find this giving that sort of uh urgency can help Mm -hmm. with it Mm -hmm. the first one shot that i've done uh the players were trying to find an abyssal creature that disguised themselves in a city if uh after Mm -hmm. a couple days if they can't find them this abyssal creature has been working on a portal gate that will pull the entire city into the abyss so it gives them that like we need to do this Mm -hmm. and it's a lot less, I feel like a one shot is a lot less character driven as mm-hmm. is purpose driven. So mm-hmm. giving them that purpose, they can throw in character flavors into it, into like how they're playing it and their decisions on it. But ultimately you're not going to go into huge backstories on mm-hmm. uh, right on a one shot character. Yeah, for sure. I think the um, having a very clear and defined goal uh, and I like the uh, the idea of urgency as well. It's not just that this this is a thing that needs to happen. It's hey, we got to get this done or else bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, that uh, kind of deadline essentially to drive them along um, mm-hmm. certainly uh, helps uh, get them <laughs> invested in making it happen for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, you yeah. better go and clear out this, uh, like this, solve this cursed thing. Otherwise, all of the undead are going to be at our doorstep. So go do it now, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, super vital. And uh, another thing that you kind of mentioned is like letting them have some character elements along the way. I mm-hmm. think finding um, specific conflicts uh to present to specific characters can be a way of like you know investing them in this one shot right like yeah you've got okay you've got the goal of the the go to this tomb and resolve the curse um and stop all of the undead from rising 
But along the way, hey, um, Mr. Thief Man, Rogue Guy, you work for the Thieves Guild and we know that there's some really valuable things that are going to be in that <laughs> vault. So we want you to bring them back to us um, and we'll pay you substantially for it as well. Right. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like just the, that kind of kind of little uh, extra slice just for that player to give them some additional investment and cause some, um, you know, open, open opportunities for interesting character choices, I think. For sure. Um, we did a, a winner one shot at one point and one of the players came to me. He's 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 an individual who actually was not a big fan of D&D by the mechanics and okay. was sort of the numerical side of it. He was kind mm-hmm. of just like blah and wasn't a whole lot into the role play. But um, he came to me extremely excited. And I was like, what character do you have? Because I want this to happen. <laughs> and yeah. he goes, what if I was Jack Frost? And I'm like, <laughs> hell yes. Yeah. And I created absolutely. the one shot tailored to that. Basically, mm-hmm. he came to me and I was like, all right, how would you feel if from the I don't I don't remember every little bit of detail, but I just know that the the rest of the party started in a tavern, which I know I just recently <laughs> tailored saying, yeah, you don't do don't that. Don't do that. Yeah. But, or it's <laughs> but okay to do that. But like, sometimes have some you need to things. start in a tavern. Yeah. The reason why this happened was because mm-hmm. Jack Frost and his pet reindeer, who was a satire, mm. uh transported in created this frost on the windows and the doors flung open from wind mm. and the wind coagulated into jack frost and he nice. just sits sat there and the first thing he goes what <laughs> what where am i who are you <laughs> i need help and uh. it's like he got so into it immediately mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and seeing that brightness from him from somebody who's not like super invested in the D and D, right? It was like just my heart melted. And that <laughs> yeah, pre- that's how he was so involved, and his enjoyment spread throughout the rest of the table. They were all invite in excited to do this, and it was just like a huge sort of energy and character it, that just led into the one shot. Mm-hmm. So it's like he had the spotlight for that one shot pretty much because mm-hmm. his character was Jack Frost. But at the same time, there was other moments for all the other characters to involve themselves with the situation and with Jack Frost and with his character and all that stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I, just to kind of piggyback off of that, speaking of like holiday themed games, uh, we did a, um, a Yuletide uh, one shot on, on our show uh that listeners will will know what i'm talking about here but um and uh one of the players um zach who's been been around a few times also known as conan librarian decided his character was going to be a a thief um or a rogue but his kind of his shtick was that um he was like the mall santa basically like he would dress (laughs) up as different you know holiday icons and get money from like you know pleasing the the kids let you know what do you tell santa what you want give the kids the easter eggs and stuff on easter and stuff like that that was kind of his his shtick right and me um like i had been planning the story already and i knew that santa was an npc in this adventure so i gave gave him some opportunities to like 
oh, Santa's coming. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit. Like, Santa, like, actually, <laughs> Santa's coming. Let me kind of spruce myself up. And uh, yeah, like, that wasn't something that I had planned for the one shot at all, but it just ended up being this really great character moment for him yeah. um, to uh, have some have some extra fun there in this already, like, guided kind of on rails adventure. Yeah, it's that's so funny. I love that. It's like <clears throat> the the character is playing as an NPC and then the mm. NPC is coming. He's like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta make sure I look nice. I, <laughs> yeah. I, like they idle them. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's like, Oh, actual Santa is here. Oh, yikes. Oh, that, that goes into something that I, I love mm-hmm. to do is to allow the players to have their creative ideas mm-hmm. to play off of them rather than shut them down. It's so interesting and it creates such like memorable moments mm-hmm. in the one shot that I was talking about, about the abyssal creature. They found them. The creature is on all fours sprinting down the sewers at extreme speed, mm-hmm. like blistering fast, 120 feet or something per per round. Oh, yeah, that's real. So they're, they're trying to get up to him, but he's so fast. So they the group tailors together and bolsters one person to chase down the individual technically speaking their speed would have been matched mm-hmm. to some degree but they had the, these wings that granted them extra speed but one of the spells only affected walking speed uh, and it's like it. yeah. yeah it's their <laughs> their plan to chase him down is interesting enough to the point where it created, and I look, I did the math, at full speed, they were going 45 miles an hour in the sewer. <laughs> yeah. oh, <laughs> and they're the fighting, slamming each other yeah. into walls, hitting each other. <laughs> My friend to this day keeps talking about it. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's the purpose of it, is to yeah. create the memorable moment that sucked them in. While mm-hmm. the one friend's like, I'll catch up, guys. Don't mm-hmm. worry. And he's, he's going 60 yeah <laughs> super slow behind awesome yeah i think that's uh, a huge um lesson to pull out of that is like break the rules sometimes sometimes the yeah. story is more interesting if you just kind of hand wave a, a rule i i know kind of going back to the eberron uh game when we started our very first adventure ended up being um there were some owl bears that were kind of causing havoc because of a something that was going on in their nest was causing them to, you know, cause Mm -hmm. havoc around the area. Um, So our druid was like, well, I'm going to cast speak with animals. Like, well, technically speak with animals would not apply to an owlbear because they're monstrosities. Yeah. It's like, "Eh, (laughs) talk to the owlbear. It's fine. Like, (laughs) I think it would be interesting because it can be like two animals voices at the same mm. time sort of mm-hmm. deal there's there's lots you can do with that and uh, sure. that's that's super cool yeah and like the way that i was playing the owlbear in the scenario like it was kind of a a creature of the wild it wasn't like some monstrosity that was uh you know created by a wizard as owlbears like canonically are right but oh, really? they were just no they live in this hillside <laughs> They have a like a nest in this cave, like 
they're animals basically they're beasts they're this it's the yeah. same thing like yeah thematically it works so i'll allow it <laughs> yeah they got the mass of a bear but the mm. intelligence of an owl it's like it's what they do yes and the beak of an owl as well oh uh, yeah so. the beak <laughs> big old beak <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like, uh, I, I think, you know, you can hand wave some, some fudge, some rules a little bit here and there, like just kind of massage the story and let it, let it figure itself out and let that be fine. Right. Yeah. And if, if the, if the, the rules as written are getting in the way, then just kind of, you know, let it happen. Right. Yeah. It depends. Cause there's it some sense. things that I know that I don't like there's, there's realm of possibility mm -hmm. and then there's, there's impossibility the right. impossible oh, yeah. i still will be like that's i unlike some uh for example in the same scenario you were talking about mm -hmm. the uh casting speak with animals to talk to the owl bear right if i knew that there wasn't going to be anything to come from this or mm -hmm. if it's a scenario where it was on like a different creature instead of like wasting their action, wasting their turn to do this, their character would understand that this isn't how this would work. And right. that I think that plays a lot with importance of magic in particular, mm, because mm -hmm, it's sure. like, uh, detect magic. Mm -hmm. They're not going to necessarily know the spell cast, but they'll know the school. Mm -hmm. And if they know the school that can give them certain information. Right. I've had instances where they try to ask what the spell is, and I'm like, it's whatever it is, is it's transmutation mm -hmm. to the to a possibility of altering their size. Hmm. Whether that right. expands it, shrinks it, moves mm -hmm. it, something like that. Right. Give them a little bit more, but at the same time not you're not it's letting not, them you're not giving them like what identify does, exactly. right? Like which kind of steps on the toes of that other spell basically yeah. yeah it's like comic combining them <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> giving some hints but not telling them everything yeah it's um, also it, like if they try to jump across building to building <laughs> right. i am a big fan of cool stuff the rule cool's a thing but right. if you're trying to leap like 60 feet without any sort of effect right you're not gonna make that jump i'm mm -hmm. sorry mm -hmm. i don't care what the natural 20 does for you here <laughs> for a sure. bird's not gonna take you the rest of the way mm -hmm. across here yeah i i think the uh what you said earlier is like within the realm of possibility right mm -hmm. this is a thing that is really cool and fantastical but still like potentially possible especially if they're like you know using some magical abilities or you know they are a kind of like superhuman uh character almost right like mm -hmm. they might have the ability to leap across this but that's not something that everybody can do so right tell me why you are capable of doing this and we'll try and make it work but if you can't convince me then you're gonna fall to the ground on this jump i'm sorry yeah <laughs> like that's what's like, gonna happen yeah <laughs> If there's some sort of outer influence, mm -hmm. like you use a pole and try to vault yourself, right. it's going to make it difficult, but it's still possible. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite, like magic's a huge thing with our world. And For one sure. of my favorite things is uh, instant teleportation uh, sort of effects, like mm -hmm. uh, there's these hexes that are around that these hags have been leaving that let them traverse between different cities. Oh, okay. One of the players like notices it and is uh explained to a, 
an order of the gauntlet member and they're going to trace where it will take them before mm. actually going to do it okay i don't think there's actual spells that can do that <laughs> yeah, i'm pretty not. sure it's there's not like a trace spell mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. seems interesting and gives the players this sort of like aha moment where they can mm-hmm. now after finding it instead of just being like just destroying it they can use that to then take themselves to where the hag's trying to go or where another foundation is or a settlement Mm -hmm. or or it'll take them right into the center of their like family and that'll be a problem for most of them (laughs) that that does create some uh, interesting (laughs) stories for sure it creates mystery and that helps drive the story yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I love uh, the uh, the kind of the lesson to learn from that, I think, is, yeah, like letting the players. Yeah, I, I, what we had mentioned before is like kind of letting them do cool things or yeah. le- letting their choices or their goals or desires kind of feed how the story is going. And um, yeah, allowing the rules to kind of, you know, fudge around a bit. Okay, yeah. you're trying to do this thing. There's not really a spell for that. Let's make some investigation arcana checks, figure out what spells you might want to cast alongside that. And yeah, we can make this make this work. Uh, identify something. and like yeah. ar- arcana checks and stuff like that. So, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, you're, you're fine. Augmenting something that's already pre-existing is sort of like that mythical side of things, right? Mm-hmm. It's... Mm-hmm. Not everything is so cut in stone. You can do some interesting stuff if you just kind of work around with your DM when you ask it. Mm-hmm. Um, stone shape, one of my favorite spells. Mm. It can alter the, the size of stone, like a five foot thing. I've had instances where I've asked my DM, would I be able to, uh, we, we uh, to give an uh, explanation of that, we, we did a campaign where there's only two of us and we swap roles as oh, the DM. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we play like the same character and we swap roles because oh, multiple personality disorder sort of deal. Hmm. But um, that's a whole ordeal that I'm not going to get into because I get to talk about that for hours and hours. But I asked him, my cat is screaming at the closet. I'm sorry. I can hear that. I can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Gizmo. <laughs> um, but stone shape i put my hand on the ground and i asked my dm if i could create like a shell of stone over my enemy Mm. and just make an encapsulated stone like morph suit on them (laughs) okay and he's like they are shorter than five feet so it makes sense yeah i'll let it so just make a stone morph suit over somebody Mm, awesome. I don't I think the spell might work that way, but who knows? And sometimes it's okay if it doesn't, but you mm-hmm. let it. Yeah, a- absolutely. If your players are finding creative ways to use spells, then uh, let them let them go to town. Uh, with it, again, within the realm of possibility. Yes. Um, Magic is usually one of those things that possibility starts to get a little bit more possible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, if things are magical, then they don't necessarily have to abide by the laws of reality. Um <laughs> um i guess do do you have any other examples of when uh like maybe some of your players have tried to use spells in in interesting ways and you've uh fostered those ideas for them trying to think there's several um maybe a favorite uh one of the players knew his character unfortunately passed away before but uh 
it it was gonna happen in the story anyways like i was talking to him and we were like this is gonna happen mm-hmm. he just happened to die before that moment but <laughs> 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 it in all honesty the dying before that moment was actually very good for uh role play purposes because they had mm. this burial and it was super sad and emotional and that's when i was like are you mm-hmm. okay with your character actually being dead right now because mm-hmm. my whole thing was his he was a revenant that was brought back to life consistently by his okay. patron because mm-hmm. he was a warlock mm. so or he was a warlock turned into druid it's a complicated mess but <laughs> um excellent his new character is a cleric of uh uh what is it it's um the one that doesn't like dying, the grave. Oh, um, grave Kellen domain. Yeah, gra- yeah, grave domain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's his whole thing. Her character, or she, uh, speaks to the skull at the hip that is okay. influencing her to become her own entity, like her own Ooh, to replace the yeah. god of death. To replace mm. the Raven Queen. Okay. That's her goal. Okay, gotcha. So what she's doing is she's going to different uh, altars to get to try to gain praise to have that sort of faith from the others. And that's how she's starting to build her own sort of church or her own religion. Her own religion, deal. yeah. Okay. So she went to an altar and wanted to alter alter the altar. Alter huh? the altar. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wanted to change it into an altar of herself rather than an altar of uh, ambiguity because it was just okay. a generic sort of angelic uh, figure. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have a spell to do this, but what they wanted to do was to channel a necrotic energy into it to change mm-hmm. it. Okay. So I was like, okay, how about you cast me in inflict wounds real quick? Hmm. So what they did is they cast and inflict wounds and the dark energy went into the statue and obviously doesn't deal damage because it's not alive. Right. It's, <laughs> it's a statue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wings grew these like thickened blackened veins across it and almost like the stone itself had fallen off to create mm. like skeletal wings in okay. the stonework. Yeah. So there's not really like a creative spell that can do that at least mm-hmm. not to my knowledge off the top of my head and probably not one that their cleric would have prepared would have had ready yeah but it created an interesting moment of well this character is trying to do this and i'm sure that they with a little help from the skulls energy they probably could accomplish plenty in this regard so it's like that inflict wounds inflicted the statue <laughs> to mold into what they wanted at the time Nice. Yeah, I, I dig that for sure. And that's probably going to have repercussions in the future if they ever go back to that town. Yeah, I would <laughs> imagine so. People that. might be upset with <laughs> their uh, <laughs> angelic uh, altar turning into a skeletal figure. So. Um, and that's great. But hey, you know, they're on a, on the road to become their own deity. So yeah, what pretty much that's the word deity. I kept saying yeah. entity deity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah, I guess any other, uh, we've talked about a lot of really great options and provide a lot of advice for our listeners and given some some excellent examples of how things could work as well. Um, anything that you feel like we've kind of uh, missed or you would really want to convey to our listeners who might be trying to 
really weave in engaging stories for their players? Um, I want to preface that I'm by no means uh, bashing pre-generated worlds, mm-hmm. pre-generated stories. Um, they can be engaging depending on how you sort of play them. But what I find more useful from them rather than the story that it can, or the setting or the story that it sort of gives you, mm-hmm. it gives you details to start your own sort of mold from. And that's where you can create your engaging story with help. I see it as more as a tool mm-hmm. than an actual story. It's itself because the book's not going to tell you how this character is going to act or what mm-hmm. they're going to do. It's going to tell you this is this, this enemy right go um so it's like you have to sort of build on that and that's how you create the engaging story is building off of it's almost like a guideline or almost like a uh what's the word i'm trying to think of like a like a like a like a web like a Mm -hmm. branch of branch of things that stem off into several different degrees and that is where to sort of begin I went with a pre-generated story because I never done anything. I've never mm-hmm. played the game. I've never even DM'd before. None of my players had played. So they weren't engaged at the beginning because they didn't know how to be engaged. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how to do this. And that learning point is okay. It's the point of everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah. You're not going to just jump into it like Critical Role or something <laughs> and yes. wreck shop with voice acting and all this other stuff. Half of my players didn't even play in character. They were talking as if they were playing a video game. Mm-hmm. It's once you get comfortable, once you have that sort of start, that's when you can create an engaging story. It's difficult to do right off the bat and just going into an engaging story. If you can do that, that is phenomenal and more power to you. <laughs> I found it more, more plausible to have a start and then go from there. That's my big take on the uh, pre-generated stories. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even in my, just to kind of piggyback off of that, even in the Eberron game that I'm running right now, where the pretty much the whole campaign has been homebrewed, um, I still, you know, started from a point of, you guys are here, here is your mission, go in and do that mission. And then that was just sort of the catalyst for the story to, to take place, right? Mm-hmm. We, we did a lot of talking with the players and figuring out their goals and who they were, but, you know, you still got to have that kicking off point to uh, start figuring out who the characters really are. You can, you can do a lot of backstory stuff as much as you want. Everything's going to change when the, once the, the rubber meets the road, so to speak, right? Once the right. dice start hitting the table, that's when the players are going to figure out who their characters really are and, and go from there. So, right. You, you make a great point too, saying that that's the players themselves sometimes don't even know where they're going with their character. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like my, like I said before, the the warlock friend turned druid. He started as a warlock because he was like, I had this idea for a character who was part of the cult and Mm. was imprisoned to be secretly added to the party. 
so that way he, could, he was like a spy mm-hmm. later down the road he's like i'm not having fun as a warlock i <laughs> thought this would be different yeah. uh i don't really like the story that he's got going so could you possibly turn him into a druid i'm like I'll see what I can do. Mm. And what I did ultimately was create an entire subsection that did not exist in the book because mm-hmm. uh, he wanted to change it to Druid. And I'm like, I can do that. Uh, I think. So uh <laughs> took the party off to a different road because funny enough, owl bears broke into the, mm-hmm. started to attack Greenest or nice. a pair of them did. One was already injured. They were being hunted by a, group from uh the druidic moon tribe okay and that brought the players over there uh once they got there that's when they dropped the names handi the, the tribe's leader that would only help them with uh the cult of the dragon if uh they proved that the aid that they could give that greenest could give would be better than the aid that the cult could give because he's mm-hmm. looking for he's looking out for his tribe right. versus just the end goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when the player that wanted to turn into druid uh, went to the uh, like a training hall where there was a meditative circle, and in order to start meditating, they had to very diligently and delicately be balancing a plank of wood underneath them on top of a stick that was <laughs> planted into it. And I'm like, you're going to have to dedicate yourself to this for hours and hours and hours to get Mm -hmm. the nimbleness to do this. And he's not a nimble character. Mm -hmm. So he was trying this for hours in the game and eventually got it, got respect to some of the people. And that tailored into earning Handi's trust was the respect of doing this and diligently doing this as he was meditative in that stance. It was augmenting his charisma to turn into more wisdom Mm. and that's how i tailored because he had a high charisma which does nothing for a druid yeah druid's not going to be very very uh make very good use of that although sometimes they can but like not natively to the the core of the we'll just say his negative wisdom was not going to be a a very benefit to being a (laughs) druid that's that's gonna hurt that's gonna hurt as well for sure yeah So. so creating that sort of story element to cause change in a character will mm. get them involved and will get them engaged. Like he was enamored with his character after changing this because it also tailored awesome. to his own creative sense with nature mm. versus mm-hmm. uh, uh, his warlock who spoke to his day, his uh, patron now and then mm-hmm. if the players aren't enjoying themselves as a character and want to change, then by all means, let them. Yeah. If they're not having fun, forcing them to stick with a character is not going to make it more fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm actually getting ready to uh, hopefully be running some games for some new players. And I think Ooh. I'm going to, um, as we're making characters, kind of bring in a, a, a rule, I guess, that's uh, available in the Adventurers League, which is kind of like the official D&D league, so to speak. Um, and, and that is that you get the ability to re-roll your character entirely, um, basically, uh, up until like fifth level. So you have through oh. you know, levels one through five to kind of get acquainted with this character. And once you get to that fifth level, you're sort of on track with them. Um, but if you get to the fifth level and, you know, you're not having fun, then just re-roll, do something different um figure out a different aspect to your your character and you want to keep some things the same right but i think it's like the 
you know, the class essentially would be what is changing and their, their stats, you know, yeah. keep the same race, same name, et cetera, but they're just figuring out who they are at that point. So yeah, maybe like tra- trying a different subclass out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Bard of well, ours, yeah. the Bard of our game. It was odd because I had a at like simultaneous, like three people changing what they wanted. <laughs> one was changing class. One wanted to change subclass. The other one wanted to change gender. So it was like this whole yeah. thing. And I tailored the other one that worked out because I'm sorry if I'm just talking about the story, but I, I love what my <laughs> players did at the start of I, our campaign. Again, I love examples of, and I think examples are great ways of, of teaching points. So the, go ahead. The I was talking about how one of them was of noble lineage and mm-hmm. was of royalty that ran away to try to hide. In doing so, they also were true polymorphed into a different person entirely. Oh, and okay. uh, they changed from a female tiefling to a male tiefling uh, and completely named themselves something else. I think their name was Jinx or something like that. I can't exactly remember, mm-hmm. but uh. They want. They were talking about it, and they they were like, "I want." They didn't make their character like that at first. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. this entity Jinx, and wanted to change into a princess mm-hmm. instead of a prince. Okay, yeah. So that's when we reworked her backstory that wasn't told to everyone yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they were true polymorphed, and the way that they changed was on the way to the Moon Druids uh, tribal camp. There is a sanctuary of Corellin that was resting there that had been okay. uh, neglected and all this other stuff. And uh, I reworked Corellin a bit because that was an entity that, uh, or that was a deity that this character enjoyed talking about mm-hmm. and reworked them to be a bit more on the lies are uh, egregious sort of mm. behavior. Okay. So the deceit of the true polymorph was dispelled when they became a paladin of Corellin. Okay. So it dispelled the lie and changed them from to a prince their to a princess. Yeah, yeah, to who they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, the bard changed sub-colleges by uh, basically going to school. So <laughs> nice. I, I literally <laughs> pounded him in. He was part of a college of... Which is the one that gets uh, the 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 disruptive one, the one that if they're being attacked, they can roll. The... Uh, that's uh, lore, I think. Yeah, they, yeah, they can they use uh, cutting words. I think cutting so words. Like, that's what it yeah. was. Okay. College of Lore, and only reason they picked that was because I only had two options because I only mm. owned the first book. Right, <laughs> and uh, they were reading up on some of the other ones because I this was years down the line and I started mm-hmm. to get the other books right. and they were like, I want to really change into college of whispers. I'm like, okay. So they go to the school in El Terrell mm-hmm. and they go, there's like several Bardic, there's a Bardic uh, school and there's one college that's not really talked about that. The, there's a, a shelf that seems to be missing a lot of its textbooks. Mm. And that's when some of the other uh, Bardic scholars talk about, yeah, there's, there's this one guy they don't really like because he's he's got a different viewpoint than most of them, and they, mm-hmm. they, they the College of Whispers is sort of seen frowned upon from the most, yeah. and so he he goes in search of this other individual, and in order to replace the knowledge, he had to like endure a multitude of other College of Whispers 
basically if you if you've played Skyrim, mm -hmm. uh, when the, were they, the were they just the beards, you know, yeah, <laughs> he had to endure <laughs> a surrounding of just pounding words oh. at him. And that replaced the knowledge in his head and uh -huh. turned from College of Lore to College of Whispers. And he's really enjoyed that more because he wanted to play more of like a melee bard. Okay, yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, some really excellent points and uh, some really great examples from, from y'all's show as well. And uh, can't encourage our listeners enough to go and, and check out Misrolled Adventures. It's not um, that so great. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that said, I do want to give you a chance to let our listeners know how to find out about you and, and how to find out, you know, how to listen in on all of these stories. Oh, uh, well, thank watching. you. So, uh, yeah, but I'll shut up for a minute. But how, how can <laughs> our, our uh, listeners find you? Oh, I've definitely talked plenty. Don't worry about that. Um, well, like I said, I'm Tyler of Misrule Adventures. Uh, we are a variety streamer at this point, streaming on Twitch over at uh, Misrolled underscore adventures uh we play variety of games involving role-playing games survival games we stream frequently for dungeons and dragons um and on top of that all of our vods get posted to youtube at the same sort of name and domain uh you can find if you're looking primarily for uh dungeons and dragons we have a section in there uh the one-to-one -one campaign is on there as well uh, so is one of our campaigns, the one that I was talking about just now, um, as well as that all of our different sort of gaming videos are up there as well. Um, if you wanted to keep up to date with any of the postings that go on, uh, follow me at Twitter at Misrolled. And yeah, that's pretty much everywhere that I'm on. I know that I posted, I've fallen out of it, but I posted our podcasts to Anchor mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. well. That sort of died down when I started to stream because mm -hmm. it, way too much stuff to put on. Lots For of sure. editing involved, but we stream every Monday, every Wednesday, Thursday, some Fridays, every other Saturday, and some Sundays as well. Basically, Tuesday is one of my only week, days yeah. off. <laughs> when I'm not feeling well because I'm probably overworking myself, that's when I'm not streaming. <laughs> It's funny how that works. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And working a day job, too. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, all right. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, Tyler, thank you so much for, for coming on to the show. And uh, listeners, all of the links will also be in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, go check Tyler out and check out Mr. Old Adventures and, and all the stuff that uh, him and his, his friends get up to. Um, and uh, as always, uh, listeners, thank you for joining us on this uh, dis for this discussion today. Uh, if you enjoyed what we were talking about, let us know. Uh, you can give Tyler a shout out on on Twitter. Uh, reach out to me as well at nineteen hits the dragon on Twitter. Uh, feel free to uh, leave comments, ratings, reviews, whatever you can wherever you get your podcast to help the show grow and uh, help get us out in uh, in front of more and more listeners. Um, speaking of getting us in front of more listeners, the best thing that you can always do for the show is to go out and tell 19 of your closest friends. Thanks so much, uh, Tyler, for coming on. Uh, thank again. Thanks again to our listeners. Uh, everybody, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll see you next time when 19 hits the dragon. Bye-bye.